0: Thanks for joining us today for our Monday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today we will be continuing our study in Genesis, so let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over.
1: Then look at verse 45, and Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zapnath paneah He's given an Egyptian name. Wrong name. He already has a covenantal name. Joseph, meaning Yahweh, has added. Joseph's in the wrong house, wrong land, and has the wrong name. I love that. I love that. Joseph is given a pagan wife, Asenat. He's the daughter of a pagan priest of the city of On. Yet he names his children Hebrew names. The names of his two sons speaks how Jacob, I'm sorry, Joseph has not forgotten his homeland. He's not forgotten who has called him. And these names give glory to God, Yahweh. His faith and loyalty still belongs to God and God alone. And so he gives them these Hebrew names. Now, verse 51, Joseph called the name of a firstborn, Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Manasseh in the Hebrew is Manasseh. okay? Causing to forget is what that means. Now, the other Egyptians, knowing that he has now called his son Manasseh, a Hebrew name there, they're probably saying, why did you name your kid that? Why you give him a Hebrew name of a people group that has done you so much harm? And his answer is, because it's in the name. In other words, I have let it go. I have let it go. God has made me forget, he says there, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Now, I was praying for last night's service, and I've been praying for this service, as I always do. But there's something very, very special in today's message that I believe that there are many here who need to hear this, okay, that the name of Manasseh there is that God has made me forget. There are many people I believe here today that you need to let go of all these past harms and injuries that you have suffered. I know I'm telling you something that's completely contrary to psychology today, but understand that there's nowhere in God's word that says many years of therapy made him forget. (laughs) There's nowhere in scripture that says that this 12 steps program made him forget. It says that God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. God can still touch us supernaturally where no doctor can. Joseph has gone through much abuse. You don't think he has the memories of all that? Of course he does. God has taken away the sting of those memories. He hasn't forgotten them. He could, he could write it out perfectly of what has happened to him. But God has taken away the sting of those memories so that there's no bitterness in Joseph's life over his trauma. One of the ways Satan likes to hinder us is by reminding us of our past hurts over and over and over again. One ugly memory after another. And maybe you are haunted by those painful memories of the past. Some hellish thing that has happened to you beyond your control. Much like Joseph but I'm here to tell you there's hope. God can make you forget in the way of the pain. He can take away the pain and he can make you forget. So your past doesn't paralyze you for what God has called you to do today and the future that's ahead of you. Many people are paralyzed because of their past, and it keeps you from growing in Christ and being the mature person in Christ that God has called you to be. In war, it is better to wound someone, your enemy, than kill them. And the reason is, and this is Satan's tactics, because if you're wounded, if you're killed, okay, the rest of the people keep fighting. But if you're wounded, you now take three or four other people out of the battle because now they have to tend to your wounds. They have to go and rescue you and get you off and get you the care that you need. And so in the Vietnam War, what they learned from their enemy is that their enemy wasn't trying to kill them. They were just trying to wound our soldiers because by wounding him, it took four or five others out of the battle to which they weren't shooting at them. They were now trying to figure out a way to get their buddy to where they needed to to get the care that he needed. And that's exactly what Satan does. He wants to wound you because wound you, he can't kill you. But he can certainly wound you into believing your past hurts and pains and things like that to debilitate you so you're absolutely no good for the kingdom of God. And yet God says, I can make you forget. I can take that sting away. You were wounded long ago. That wound has not healed. You keep reopening that wound because you are listening to Satan play that time and time again. Joseph was attacked by his brothers. That coat stripped off, thrown into that well, and then sold into slavery and had to endure another 13 years of being a slave to Potiphar, then being thrown into prison for another two or three years. Before he was raised up in the place that he was, I find this very interesting. I, I never uh, look at something as a you know as a coincidence, and it's interesting to me that uh, about a week ago I had somebody who emailed me and said, "Hey Dave, um, I'm getting my master's at this seminary, and and uh, I have this counseling class, and I'm, I'm wondering if I can uh, Facetime you for an hour and talk to you about what you think about counseling and, and the place that it has in the church today." I said, absolutely, I'll do that. And I, I did that, I think it was on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, I forget which day. And so uh, I've known this guy since he was like uh, like 9 or 10 or, or something like that, and he's now like 32, and, and so uh, he's been a, a teacher for Douglas County, and he wants to get his master's. And so he just interviews me on this, and he's a believer, obvi- and obviously, so am I. And so he just starts, he starts asking me all these questions, you know, and so I answer him. I, I said, I just want to let you know the the perspective I'm coming from, that if I don't see in the Bible, I'm not going to believe it, okay? And if you tell me that counseling does this and I see it in the Bible, I'm going to say, yeah, that's probably a good thing to do. And so we kind of got it down to where I said, look, you're asking me some things, but I believe that there's a, a difference between two things here. And I said, um, what you see as counseling and what I would consider counseling, I think, are two different things. Because you would consider counseling meeting with a person over and 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 over again with somebody until you somehow think that that issue has now been dealt with. He said, okay. I said, I don't think that that's counsel of the Bible. And he goes, why do you say that? I said, well, because the Bible says in a multitude of counselors is much wisdom. Counsel has to do with wisdom. Wisdom is giving the Word of God of what the Word of God says about a particular issue. That's wisdom, okay? So if someone comes to me and they said, hey, there's this issue in my life. I'd love to be able to talk to you about it. Okay. They come. They explain to me what that issue is. Okay. Let's go to the Word of God. This is what God's Word says about this issue, and this is what you're supposed to do. Now, if you take what I say and do that, well for one, you're a very mature person in Christ, and you've just received counsel. You've received wisdom. Now, put that into application. Just let me know how it's going. I can further get, pray for you and, and everything else, and this is wonderful. That's counsel. You came to me once. You received it. Now, be warm, be filled, and go your way. Everything's going to be fine. This is what God's words, do it. Now, When you have to come back to me time and time again, I said, well, are you doing these things? Well, no, not really. Okay. Why are you coming back to me? Do you think, oh, oh, I guess that part of what God's word says doesn't work with you. Oh, let me offer you something else. Here's another technique you can do that maybe will be good for you. I don't care about that. I don't do that. This is what the word of God says. Receive it. Now you have had counsel. Now do it. And if you do, you're a mature person in Christ. And if you don't, and you have to keep coming back to me, that's not counsel. You need discipleship. You need to understand that God's word is God's word. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you Your sins are forgiven. Do you believe that you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? If you do, then let's move on with that. What is it to walk in Christ? Let's go through the word of God and let's disciple you. Because once you're discipled, you can walk in Christ, okay? And once you're discipled, the whole point is to get you to the maturity to where you receive God's word and now you begin to do it. And that's where you find victory. That's where you find victory. The moment you can believe God's word and walk in it and do it each and every day, and you're going to make mistakes. That's the way all of us do. But the moment you said, oh, this is what the Bible says about this. Oh, this is what the Bible says about this. Oh, this is what the Bible says about that. And you apply that to your life. You are now become a mature believer in Christ Jesus. And that's wonderful. And that's the place to be, and as a mature believer you 're still going to wonder, I wonder what the Bible says about this i can 't seem to drop an an understanding of my predicament or circumstance or decision I need to make i 'll go to dave i 'll go to one of the pastors i 'll tell him here 's the the um uh, here's a question I have. What does the Bible say about that? And then when I show them, go, oh, great. I I knew it was there somewhere. I didn't know exactly where it was. I just needed to know. Thank you so much. That's all I needed. That's a mature person in Christ that has come to us for counsel. That's counsel. If you need to keep coming back over and over again, that's fine. Not a problem. We'll do that. But let's get an understanding we're not just going to keep going over your issue. We're going to do something better than that. We're going to take you through discipleship because your issue is discipleship. It's not counsel. It's not counsel. When I shared this with him, he was completely blown away. And I said, I'm I'm willing to be wrong in this. I really am. I just want someone to show me, according to God's word, where I'm incorrect in this, where I'm incorrect. And, and I believe that the church has adopted way too much cycle babble and not truly trusted what the Word of God says. And so I believe what the Word of God says. I believe what the Word of God says. And there's some of us here that need to be set free from your past hurts, okay? And God is telling you He can do that. He can do that. He names His other son here, and the second uh, uh, He calls him here, He says, uh, in the name of the second, He called Ephraim. Ephraim is the Hebrew word, Ephraim. And it means double fruit, or I shall be doubly fruitful. And so he called this, the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I love that. In other words, God can make you fruitful even in the place you don't want to be. He can make you fruitful there. Again, people are probably going up to Joseph. Why would you name your kid that? Isn't the land of affliction not where you are now, but where you were before in Canaan where they, again, threw you in the pit, they sold you into slavery. Isn't that the land of your affliction? No. Egypt is a land of my affliction because I'm a child of God's covenant and a, and a child of God's promise in the land, and I'm in a land right now that does not believe in God. And so I'm afflicted. Even though I have wealth, prosperity, it afflicts. It distracts from the promise of God. So any place that keeps me from the promise of God is going to be a place of my affliction. See, Joseph still had his eyes on the prize of God's promise of ruling over his family and seeing his descendants in the land of that promise. When I thought about that, I go, Lord, that's us. Those who believe in the new covenant, Those who are Christians, this speaks of us. I want you to go over here to Revelation chapter 2. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Speaking to the church of Pergamos, Jesus says this about believers because I'm here to tell you something, I believe as Christians, we have the wrong name, we're in the wrong house, and we're in the wrong land. And so I think we all have the wrong name. In Revelation 2.17, Jesus says this. You know, these are letters that Jesus has given to the seven churches. So this is from Jesus. We all know about the letters of Paul, but there's seven other letters that were written from Jesus himself. Here's one of them right here to Pergamos. As he's speaking to believers, he says this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 17. To him who overcomes... I will give some of the hidden manna to eat and I will give him a white stone and on that stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. Do you know that when you finally see Jesus face to face, you're going to get a new name? You're going to get a new name. Some of you are going, great, because I hate being called Bubba. All right, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'd be something better, you know. Um I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Not only are we going to be given a name, we're going to be given a new house. Verse 1 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What's he talking about there? Your body, you're housed right now in this body. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed haven't been clothed, we shall be found naked. For we who are in this tent, this house, groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Do you realize as a believer in Jesus Christ, your life, your true life actually begins the moment you leave this house, this body? That's so encouraging. Whenever I do a memorial for uh, a believer in Christ Jesus, I always go to this and say, just so you know, those of you who believe in Christ, you're going to see him or her again someday. And just so you know, life has now truly began for them. The moment they left this world, that is when life truly began for them. It swallowed up. Life swallows up mortality. It's amazing. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us a spirit as a guarantee. So we are confident knowing that while we're at home in this body, this is your house here on earth. So long as you're home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. How much better it is to be in... Presence of the Lord. It's way better. And we walk by faith, not by sight. We're confident yet well pleased rather to be absent from the body or this house and present with the Lord. Yeah, I'd rather be that. But I don't get to say when that time is. And so I will wait for that. But I look forward to when I leave this body and I could be present with the Lord. I look forward to that. Right now, I have the wrong name and I'm in the wrong house. But my eyes are fixed on God and his promises for me, and that is my promise. I will have a new name, and I will have a new body in heaven. Well, guess what? Go over here to John 14. There's also a new place for you. This earth is not your habitation. In John chapter 4, 14, sorry. Man, I'm looking at John 4, and it, it, that ain't working for me. That is not working for me. It is, it is the greatest fear of just about every pastor when he's up here and he's got the address wrong. And then you're going, okay, Lord, I know it's in John 4.14. That's what it is. Um, verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house. Many rooms, many mansions. If it were not so, I have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. And then he says in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when you receive Jesus, understand you do have a homestead. You do have a place that you are going to go, a place to call your own, and it's up there in heaven. It's a heavenly country whose builder and maker is of God, not man. That's our future. That's what my eyes are fixed on, on God, his promises. He tells us that we also have an inheritance that's incorruptible. I know where my future is. I know I am homeward bound right now. This is my journey to get home, and it's heaven. But right now, I have the wrong name. I'm in the wrong house, I'm in the wrong land. Just like... Joseph is able to see here, just like he's able to see. Now, again, Ephraim, going back here to Genesis, Ephraim here means fruitful. God has taught Joseph that if you put your life in God's hands, the worst damage can be turned into good. You can be spiritually fruitful even in the hardest places. The most precious fruit is often grows in the midst of overwhelming difficulties. Faith sometimes grows best in very, very dark places. This shows that the key for Joseph was having his eyes on God. He knew that God was with him. He knew his dream would come true one day, and he focuses on those promises. This is what helps Joseph forget Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purposes. Now, many of you might be saying, Dave, I'm not haunted by so much what has been done to me. You don't seem to understand. I was not the abused. I was the abuser. That's much different. I I, I get that. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things I asked. Uh, this guy who, who uh, is taking this counseling class and getting his degree in that, I said, has anything been done on on who suffers greater? And, and it could be equally or, or whatever, but um, who, who who has more guilt, the one that's abused or the abuser? It's a, it's, it's a great question. It doesn't really matter. In God's economy of things, God can heal everything, and he shows us how he did. We have an example of guy who was the greatest abuser of all of mankind, and that's the Apostle Paul. And given his defense or given his testimony to King Agrippa, he tells us in Acts chapter 26, verse 9, he says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So when Paul was doing what he's doing, he was actually thinking he was doing God's will. He thought he was pleasing God by going after these infidels called Christians, the people of the way. And so he says, this I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in every synagogue, compelled them to blaspheme. That means he tortured them, and, and, and it means he, he wanted to get them to deny Jesus, okay? Okay. And he threw some in, in prison, tortured them, in order for them to recant their faith in Jesus. And some he put to death. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. That's why he was going to Damascus when Jesus got a hold of him. Paul persecuted the church. He placed saints in the prison. Paul consented to put them to death. In, in other accounts, uh, when he's given his testimony, he says that he killed the saints compelled them to blaspheme, and he tortured them in order that they would recant the name of Jesus. Whether you have done horrible things or horrible things have been done to you, it's amazing to me, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 3, that Paul, being the great abuser, killed people, tortured them, made them recant, threw them in prison, harassed them, persecuted them. He's able to say these things in Philippians chapter 3. He says in verse 12, not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. That's your past. You cannot go forward if you're preoccupied with the past. As I look this way, I cannot go that way. holy love
0: of God That's all we have time for today on this Monday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Listen in tomorrow as we continue our study in Genesis. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings, and on Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service, and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our Young Adults Ministry, Arise, meets every Friday evening at 6.30 p.m. at the church. Child care is offered for all our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell gas station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God.